Today's show is pre-recorded, a special encore presentation from Labor Day 2009. I think you'll really like it. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? And we've got every line wide open right now. Of course, this is the perfect time to call in. Exactly. Because towards the end of the show, might get your question answered. We may not. And yep. If you call now, we'll have a little yeah, extra time to spend with a, you. Taking a chance there. There you go. <laughs> yeah, towards the end of the show, we generally end up kind of rushed out of here, and it's sort of hard to gauge exactly when they're going to boot us out. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to go ahead and get that call in right now. That way we have some time to spend with you and answer your question thoroughly and make sure we get the right answer to you. Just in case you don't get a chance to call in, of course, you can always go to the website. So. www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Com. There's three databases you can search on our site. One is the vehicle questions, which is kind of a short to the point answer for a particular topic. Right, and I add those on a pretty regular basis. I generally add several of them every week. Anytime someone sends me an email or even the show, calls that we get on the show or people who ask questions at the shop, I try to turn that into a question, a question. to add to that database where when you search for it, you can likely find the things that you're interested in. So That's right. Go there and look around so you may find answer to your question there there you go there's also the detailed topics question section which is a it's a much more involved right story about a particular topic for instance there's one in there on oil filters that i just updated and i did some cutaways this week right we, did uh, a little extra research on this one right you know we've always said that the oem original equipment oil filter is the best for instance right. the motocraft for ford or the delco for chevrolet so honda for honda toyota for toyota so on and so forth well, what I did is took one of the very popular aftermarket filters that is on the market because we get a lot of questions about it. Right. I dissected both of them. I sat them both on digital scales, and I show you what's inside of both of them. And you might want to click on that and take a look because it's sort of it's a very interesting, sort of shocking, right? <laughs> just to actually see what's inside of this filter because you've always heard the name and oh yeah, that's a great filter. Well, maybe so, but and ma- if- make up your own mind. I'm not going to steer you one way or the other. I'm just telling you. That pictures are there if you want to look and see what's inside of both filters right and that's something most people don't get to see very much right you know, it's the inside of an oil filter what well, is actually in that no in one, that canister you gotta have a filter cutter to get in there hey <laughs> that's it so it's just kind of interesting and that's not a new article that was already on there but i updated it add some more text and add those photos to it right. so i think it's called all about oil filters pop on there that's just one of the many 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 topics on there There's articles on timing belts wheel balance another one on out around tires Something else we get a lot of calls and questions about. Mm-hmm. You know, what is an out-around tire? How do tires get out-around? And you How might can be you tell if you say, got one? Yeah, they don't get out-around. They're made out-around. There you go. <laughs> or they screwed up when they put them on the rail. Exactly. One or the other. So a lot of real good information there. Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto. That's Altazan's Garage Company. I think you'll like it. Pop on there and see what you think. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Darren online. Good morning, Darren. Good morning. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good morning. 2001 Ford Explorer with pushing 200,000 miles, okay. and it rides like a sled. Uh huh. And I was wondering if there's anything I could do to my front end to soften that ride up a little bit. Exactly. Uh, what do you mean, Darren? It rides harsh, and does you feel every bump? Yeah, if or I hit a bump, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like the front end's about to fall out. Oh, uh, okay. Darren, the most common thing we see on them is they had a problem with the ball joints wearing out. And generally, the ball joints wear out at about half the mileage that you've got. That was pretty problematic on those. The 
material that they used on the boot that protects the ball joint was pretty substandard, in my opinion. If you look under there, what you're probably going to see is all four of those boots are going to be torn. The rubber's broken down. Now, when that happens, there's nothing to hold the grease in, and there's no right. way to put more grease back into it. So what happens the rainwater and everything, dirt, grime, grit gets in there, eats the joints up. Now you got a bunch of slack in those joints. So every time you hit a bump, all this racket noise, sometimes they'll squeak, sometimes they don't. I would almost bet you that's going to be the the problem. And like I said, it could be other. There are some other things that can wear right. out, but those are real, real common on those. And that's yeah. one of the few things we do not go back with the Ford part. We have a company called Moog, M-O-O-G, that produces an excellent replacement, which is far superior to the original part, in my opinion. And we use those, and that generally fixes the problem. We can get another 200,000 miles out of it. Well, I appreciate it. All righty. All right, bye. Thank you, Darren. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Ray online. Good morning, Ray. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I've got a, I've got a 2005 Chevrolet diesel truck. Okay. 130,000 miles, and about 10,000 miles ago, I got up one morning, went out and tried to move the truck, and I had hard brake pedal and no steering. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. And I was told it could be the power booster or the power steering pump. It right. could be either one. It, it came back later on, Ray? Yeah, it came, after two or three starts, it came back, and... Mm-hmm. I understand it's very hard to diagnose. Is that true or false? It is difficult to diagnose. It requires some special gauges and some special adapters to hook in, but more to the point, it's almost got to occur to tell you which one it is. I would say it's more likely going to be the booster simply because once the pump goes, it generally is not going to come back. I got you. The booster has some valving inside that can hang under certain conditions, and when it hangs open, the fluid just runs through rather than build pressure. Okay. So that is the more likely candidate, but since both parts are relatively expensive, that's not the kind of thing you really want to just throw a part at and hope you fix it. Exactly. Would you change out the power steering pump if you if it was the power booster and not the pump with that kind of mileage? If it's developing pressure, those will generally put out about six to eight hundred pounds of working pressure, twelve to fourteen hundred pounds of deadhead pressure. That's relatively easy to measure, and if it, the pressure is good, it's not leaking. I don't know that I would just go change it just to change it. Now, if say you couldn't diagnose it otherwise, okay, you could always the pump is going to be a lot less than the than the right. brake exactly. unit, and also easier to change. Right. And right. you said you had how many miles on it? Hundred thirty thousand. Well, that's not too many miles on it. Those pumps generally make two hundred pretty easy. But if you just had to guess, I would okay. guess the pump simply because it's less expensive, and you know that one day it's going to wear out anyway. So it's not like you're just wasting your money. Exactly. But I would also say that it's probably more likely going to be the hydraulic valve, just because I haven't seen a pump come and go. Generally, when you lose a pump, you're going to lose a pump. It's not going to get good again. It doesn't have a bunch of valving and stuff inside like the the, uh, hydraulic unit does. Do do yourself a favor, though, and make sure you drain that old fluid out before you take anything apart. Drain the old fluid and put you some clean fluid in it and run it. Stop it. Drain that fluid. Right. Do it about two or three times. Even if you can take the return line off the pump and let it pump the old fluid right. out as you're putting the clean fluid in it, okay. that way when you put the new valve on, because trash is probably what caused that valve to go bad. Right, it got contaminated. So gotcha. if you can get the clean fluid in there, you're not putting a new part with old fluid running right. back through it. Buy a couple of bottles of good quality power steering fluid and just like Brian said, let them run, suck them out, let them run, suck them out to get all the trash out before you start changing parts. Gotcha. Because gotcha. you don't want to put a new part in there and run the old fluid back through it. 
right? Will I be able to drive the vehicle down to see you if it does go out, or am I going to have to have a record move it? You will be able to drive it. It will be hard to steer, particularly in a truck that big. Yeah. And the brakes it'll be hard will be to hard. stop. It'll be kind of like manual brakes and manual steering. <laughs> yeah. Very carefully. Yeah, you yeah, just I, have to be very, very careful. But, I mean, it can be done. I started to back up in my driveway, and it shocked me to death when I went to put the brakes Well, on, and that's the scary part is that if you're not expecting it, emergency situation, you hit the pedal, and it just doesn't stop, maybe an accident. So exactly. it's, it's probably not something you want to just let go. Well, I appreciate it. All right, and, Ray. Uh, when I get to that point, I'm going to come see you. Okay, All Ray, right, thank, thank you, man. You. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. All right, you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got a 2009 Chevrolet Silverado, uh-huh. and it's a 5.3-liter engine. Yes, sir. And I've noticed since I bought the, the vehicle, it's bought it new, it's got about 1,000 miles on now. Yes, sir. The, uh, the oil pressure runs about... 30 pounds, I guess, on the gauge. Okay. Versus, you know, it's, it's usually when I, most vehicles I have run about 40 and mid, yes, mid span yes, of the sir. gauge. Mm-hmm. It running low. Is, is it anything of concern? Maybe just the gauge is off? Well, maybe... it, it could be, Jim. I would probably take that back. You're still in the warranty, I'm sure. Oh, and yeah. Have them verify that gauge mechanically. In other words, they could take a known good mechanical gauge, screw it into the port, and see what the oil pressure actually is. And if the oil pressure is actually up, like you said, 40, 50 pounds, the gauge is reading 30, then they need to change the gauge or change the cylinder unit. If the oil pressure is actually low, and again, that is not critically low, but I'm with you, it is lower than most Chevrolets run. Chevrolets generally run really high on oil pressure. And I'd want to know why. Yeah, you'd think also a tight engine, new engine, it would run a little bit higher than normal. Yeah, almost every Chevrolet I've ever owned, I've owned a lot of them. The oil pressure's always been up around 45 or more at an idle and, and goes up to 60 to 65 when you're running. That right. seems awful low for that engine. Now, that said, actually, was it, Brian? 10 PSI, 10 PSI per, thousand. per thousand RPMs right. is adequate to keep the vehicle running. So at 500 RPMs, 5 PSI is all you got to have. Right. At, at 2,000 RPMs, 20 PSI will run that engine and protect it adequately. But Chevrolets traditionally run higher. I would be concerned that something in that engine is looser than it should be, if that right. is an actual reading. Why this one is low, they say, oh, it's all right, it's normal. Say, well, okay, let's go out on a lot and look at that one. And go out there and look at another one and see what it's doing. Yep. And they say, well, this is normal, and the other one's reading 50 pounds. Say, well, break just, mine like that. Yeah, once you break mine like that one, because I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> that one's obviously yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to check. I didn't want to be a nervous Nelly and bring it back. Yeah, I would definitely have that looked into just because that is not normal. From I mean, it is adequate oil pressure, but it is not normal for a Chevrolet, no. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Thank you, man. Bye bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. Nick, you hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, old Delta 88. My old owner loved me, and he treated me fine. Used to tag me to Agco all of the time. Now my new owner cuts corners, is looking for a deal. It's enough to make my poor tires, my poor tires squeal. I got new on the blues, he don't want to treat me nice. I got the cheap on the blues, down the road he'll pay the price. Yes, he will. 
Oh, sing it, old Delta 88, and visit agcoauto.com. That's agcoauto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time, for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Today's show is pre-recorded, a special encore presentation of a show from Labor Day weekend 2009. I think you'll really like it. Join us is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us calls? And we've got Nick's been patiently holding. Good morning, Nick. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have a 2000 Ford F-150 okay. pickup. When I back out of the driveway in the morning, I hear a thump sound just one time. Nick, do you hear it when you put it in gear or when you apply the brakes in reverse? When does the noise come? When I put it in gear and start, as soon as I start backing up. Okay. Now, if you put it back in the drive, and I don't know if you ever did that, do you also hear a thump or no? Or have you not never, done that? Never did that. Never did that. I would suspect, Nick, it's probably slack in the rear differential because that is fairly common on some of those vehicles. Uh-huh. What happens is that overnight, all the oil runs off of that ring gear down to the bottom of that housing. So you got uh-huh. a big old gear with another gear meshing on it. If it has slack in it, you're going to hear a clunk as it takes up the slack. Now, as soon as that ring gear makes a turn or two, it's going to grab that 75W140 all and it's going to sling it up, which is going to cushion that considerably. So it kind of takes up the slack, and you're probably not going to hear it too much for the rest of the day. But when it sits, sits all night, that's a lot of times what the problem is. Now, it is possible... You could have a U-joint with some slack in it also, but you're generally going to get that all day long, and you can have some vibration or some noise with it. Okay. But that sounds like slack in the rear end. What I would probably do, Nick, is have that thing checked just to make sure that something isn't broken or coming apart in the rear end that could cost you big, big bucks. Now, okay. if it's just slack, I would probably go ahead and service it, put some new oil in it, and just kind of live with it because the cost of fixing it is relatively high. Okay. Ford has come out with a kit to address that problem, which comes with a new ring gear, new bearings, and all that stuff. But it's still probably a, oh, I don't know, $900,000 fix to rebuild that rear end. Right. Which right. is still a lot less expensive than, say, a Chevrolet, because Ford did discount the parts because they knew they had a problem there. But a lot of times, if we pull the rear cover, we can look inside, make sure that none of the bearings are failing, that nothing's coming apart. If it's just slack in the gears, you go ahead and you replace the oil. New oil is going to help it some, and then just see what happens from there. Okay, Lewis, I appreciate it. I'll drop it by and okay. let you all take a look at it. All right, it. Nick, we appreciate you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Larry on the line. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. Enjoy your show. Thank you. I got a Dodge. I had an 08 Dodge Ram okay. with the that motor that runs on four runs on eight cylinders. Yes, sir. Displacement on demand. Okay. Right. It's it doesn't happen all the time, but periodically I'll be driving around the road and the red light changes to red. I'll hit the brake, and momentarily I have an increase in RPM, and then it in a split second it goes away and everything. It's kind of hard to stop for that split second but after the split second everything works normal i yeah. took it to that place on air on airline highway mm-hmm. and they said if the yellow if the check engine light didn't come on they didn't know what to do about it right 
Got a suggestion? Most likely what you're experiencing, Larry, is what they call the idle control servo is picking up the speed for some reason. I know we changed the throttle position sensors a lot on those trucks. And a lot of times what you'll notice, you didn't mention this, but at an idle, sometimes the idle will surge up and down, up and down, up and down. I don't know if yours does that or not. Does, does not do that. Okay. Still, the throttle position sensor is going to tell the computer where the throttle blade is. And right. if it thinks the throttle is closed too much because it's getting a faulty reading, it's going to yeah. temporarily pick that speed up to keep the engine from dying. Right. And that is what it sounds like it's doing. Now, as soon as it realizes, hey, the speed's too high, it's going to shut it right back down. So it's going to be a split-second glitch. Right. But what you would have to do is to drive it with a scan tool on it where you can see what the computer is commanding. And when it occurs, see if the computer is actually commanding idle up. And right. if it is commanding it up, you can have to try to catch what the TPS is doing, which is kind of difficult in just a split second. It's going to be kind of difficult to diagnosed but i can tell you they have a huge failure rate on those position sensors and they're not terribly expensive you might want to go ahead and just replace that and see because if it's not bad now it's probably going to go bad okay now you're just bsing with the boys mm -hmm. one of them says well when you hit the brake the brake takes vacuum and for a split second the engine loses vacuum so it speeds up to compensate does that sound like a good no, it, it, it doesn't actually lose vacuum. What happens well, uh, is that vacuum moves. It, but it uses it. Well, yeah, but that's not enough to even glitch that engine at all. If you had a vacuum leak already, that might be a factor. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't think that engine uses a map sensor, which looks at engine vacuum. I think it uses an airflow meter, and I might be wrong. I'd have to check service data to be sure. But I would really be kind of surprised if that was it. Now, if i tell you how you could tell is just sitting idling if you hit the brake pedal and see if the speed jumps up. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't do it when you're sitting still, then that's probably not it. Because well, sometimes in the morning when I crank up and uh -huh. put on brake to put it in, in reverse, it'll mm -hmm. speed up. Not all the time. Before you do anything or just when you put it in reverse? No. Because, well, see, it's you, normal. You, when you hit the brakes, put it in reverse, it's going to speed up. If it doesn't, it's going to die. So that is well, normal for to do that. It speeds up. A noticeable amount. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Well, that sounds almost like what I was telling you before about that surge at idle. You might want to watch it and see if it doesn't just start doing that sometimes even when you're not doing it. You may be in the early, early phases of it and because right. that's exactly what they do. When you put a gear, it kind of starts surging up, surging down like it's hunting for idle, and yeah. it'll get progressively worse. I would, without checking it, without knowing anything else about it, I would really lean heavily towards that throttle position sensor. All right. And well, you, could, you could put a scope on it and tell for sure. Well, it's out of warranty now, so mm -hmm. that'll eat me alive. Uh, it's not that bad. I think the sensor's about 80 or $90. It's about 15, 20 minutes to change it. Yeah, well, I went there once before, and they charged me the, the full hour to change something. <laughs> well, you're well, going to the wrong place. Exactly. How long have you been listening to this show? A long time. Well, you ain't learned nothing yet? Well, I had a, <laughs> had a computer problem. <laughs> anyway, they charged me uh, five hours to do three hours worth of work. Well, yep. but, you know, that, that what, what does AGCO do? Uh, they do pretty good work for us. Yeah, and how do they charge you? Well, for the time spent. <laughs> we'll give you a shot at it. We'll hey, all right, Larry. I'm just Thank, Thank you, man. Bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. One complaint that you do hear a lot right. is where they charge you for a whole lot of time for something that they didn't spend much time on, and that's the flat rate system. Exactly. That's just the way it works. That's just the way it works. And if you don't like that, which I never did, then you go somewhere that doesn't charge that way.
you have very few choices. Yeah, it's to kinda, find somebody that doesn't charge that's right. that I way. I only know one. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. Got a guy, guy goes to the donut shop, says donuts 50 cents each. So you get, say, give me two donuts, says, okay, three bucks. Yeah. Say, well, I thought they're 50 cents each. Yeah, but the book says they're. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> book says you need six of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we wouldn't like that too much. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Roger on the line. Good morning, Roger. Morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got an 07 Dodge, and when slowing down, mm-hmm. To a stop, but it's not. I don't stop yet. When I get to be about, about 20, 15, 20 miles an hour, okay, it kind of bumps. Yeah, and it kind of goes into a lower gear. I think. Yes, sir. It's, it's downshift. Doesn't do that all the time, but it does it sometimes. Yes, and it, it's a jolt. I mean, yes, sir. I know. I know what you're talking about. It doesn't seem normal, but maybe it is. No, I don't think so. They've had a good deal of trouble with that transmission and second gear. Second gear is controlled by band. And they've had a good deal of trouble. This is a Dodge pickup, right? Right, and I yeah. brought it in once, and they said nothing was wrong with it. Yeah, I think there's even a technical service bulletin out for that problem, and I'd have to go back and look to be sure yours is under that. But I think there's a harsh second-gear downshift engagement, and I think there's a service bulletin out uh, with some revised stuff. I know we have addressed that problem a number of times on those well, trucks. I have an extended warranty. Can you guys? Nah, nope. Okay, so yeah, I got to take it to the dealer. Good luck. <laughs> you got to take it somewhere yeah, that'll honor yeah, that extended yeah. warranty. Good, good luck with that, man. Yep. Uh, I got another question. You, you might get by as simply as servicing it and adjusting the band, which I don't think is covered under the warranty anyway. I would certainly start with that because when you've got the pan off, if you see a bunch of metal in the pan, you know you got problems. And if you don't, I would probably try adjusting that band, changing. I think it's two filters on that one. I think it's got an inline filter and a inside filter and replacing yeah. uh, the fluid and see if that doesn't correct the problem okay i got another question okay go ahead. Yeah. Uh, i have about a year ago it's a long story but anyway the engine i had a problem with the engine mm-hmm. because of bad fuel i had the engine rebuilt but it was sitting up for the car was sitting up for probably six months mm-hmm. and after the engine was back together it seems to run fine but i noticed that the fuel economy is probably Two or three gal- two or three miles per gallon or less. When I was running around town, it used to, you know, you got the little gauge. Right. If it's just been rebuilt, Roger, mileage is going to drop off some for a while, just because you got a bunch of new parts in there. That. But it, it's been like ten thousand miles. And it's never now. come up at all. No, and it's running like around town, eleven miles to the gallon. It used to run about. Yeah, 30 you might want to get it back to whoever did the work and just have them look it over. It could possibly be they've got something off just a tad in it because the mileage should have come back up by now. Mm-hmm. There's a number of things that can contribute to that. One of the major things that most people don't think about, make sure they put the proper thermostat in there and that it's working. Because if the engine is running cooler than normal, even by a little bit, it's going to really knock your gas mileage down. Because oh, okay. it doesn't have a choke on an injector, so when the engine is cool, what it has to do is double pulse the injectors. That's how it compensates for a choke. So oh, let's say they put a 180-degree thermostat instead of a 195, or let's say the thermostat is stuck partially open for some reason. Mm-hmm. Your gas mileage is going to drop way down. Okay. And another thing is a sensor that actually controls that, that tells the engine that it is up to temperature, can also be bad even though it is at full temperature, if it doesn't know it's at full temperature, it's going to do exactly the same thing. So most fuel mileage concerns, if it's not a misfire, running rough, any of that kind of stuff, are going to be something to do with engine temperature. Okay, because this gauge seems 
Well, yeah. gauge, the gauge has a different sensor. It has for a different it. sensor on it, and again, seeing twenty degrees on a gauge, factory gauges aren't that accurate anyway, is kind of difficult, and it can make a big difference in fuel mileage. No lights on either. Yeah, it yeah, may, may, may or may a... not set a light. Okay. Well, right. I appreciate that. Right. That's good information, and I'll uh, take it in. Okay, Roger. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. Ronnie, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Give it up for MC Powertrain. Oh, this one goes out to the drivers who forget about preventative maintenance. You know you got to take a car in regularly or have problems down the road. You'll see, when it comes to maintenance, got to take a stand. Prevention is the word at hand. So keep your car in tune, show the road who's boss, because that goes down with the overall lowest cost. I said A to the G to the C and O. Echo is the place to go. A to the G to the C and O. Echo is the place to go. Keep it real, MC Powertrain, and visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O Auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Hi, thanks for tuning in. Today's show is a pre-recorded encore presentation from Labor Day Weekend 2009. I hope you really enjoy it. Join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? I'm glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got Ronnie's been patiently holding. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Good, good, good. Okay, my question is, I have a 1998 Lincoln Navigator. Okay. And sometimes the back end sags way down, yes, right. and that doggone pump is just running out of this world. Yeah, right. Ronnie, I'm going to tell you, it, I got an article on my website on that exact topic. What you really? need to do right now before you do anything else is go get those rear airbags replaced. Because and what's and happened? Telling me I have to take them back to the dealership. No, right. Absolutely not. Not at all. Absolutely not. We change those every day, all day long, man. Okay. It's okay. hardly any labor involved. About a one-hour job to change both of them. Now the parts are about two fifty a piece, so they're kind of high. But the thing is, when that pump is running, it's only mm-hmm. got about a fifteen percent duty cycle. It's gonna burn the pump up. Then you add another six hundred bucks on top of the other repair bill. Okay. And okay. everybody does that. They keep running them and. Go on my site to detail topics and search forward air suspension. And there's a nice article on In fact, picture of an expedition on there. Catch it soon. You can get by just putting bags on it. Those bags dry rot and they'll leak. And when they leak, it's going to drop down. And first thing you know is that pump running a lot. But, boy, I tell you, you'll burn that pump up in a heartbeat. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. One other question. Yes, sir. Go ahead. We put in the aftermarket stereo. Okay. And since then, the car will not cool in the winter and will not heat up in the summer. Okay. It's probably interfering with some of the servos that are under the dash. It's all electronically controlled servos. The servo is a little motor that opens and closes what they call the blend door, which Mm -hmm. ducks the air between the air conditioner and the heater. And most likely you tapped into a wire that was in that ATC, automatic temperature control circuit, or Mm -hmm. knocked the wire off of the automatic temperature control circuit. It's also possible that you just got them out of time we can actually go in with a factory tool sometimes and retime those and get them working. So that okay. would be something to try. 
they have what they call keep alive memory in that little computer. And if you tapped in some kind of way where that radio is sucking that keep alive memory down, it may lose its position. So it doesn't know where the home position is. So it interferes with where those doors open and close, and it'll interfere with both heating and cooling. Okay, okay. Well, That kind of kind of sounds like what it is, yeah. All, <laughs> All right. right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Hey, show. Uh-huh. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? Those servos and under dashes, it's one of the things that when you buy a new car, you don't really think about that kind of stuff. Well, you don't realize it's there. It's right. all hidden away. You don't, all you know is that you push the button and it works. Right. You don't know how it works. But you just not too many years ago, there was a little steel cable and you slid a little slide over and I remember it got hot and got cold. I remember those days. It worked great. Sure. It cost about five bucks to fix it, and never it never broke. Problem. Never had That's a problem. It. Well, now what you've got is five, six little servos being driven by a computer. It can be $1,500, $2,000 in a heartbeat when they break. And when Very they break, easily. it quits cooling, it quits heating. So what I'm saying is on a lot of these new cars, folks don't realize what they're getting into. The technology that they use, I mean, it's cute that oh, you yeah. get in the car and it starts without a key and all that kind of garbage yeah, you, you know got it's got lights little that navigation out at systems. night yeah but man the cost of that technology is staggering when you get ready to start repairing it and then the problem is too back like you were saying back in the day you had simple cable operation right well now you've got a vehicle that is electronic it's right. got a bunch of different gadgets on it that right. are all hooked together in a serial right. bus well what happens when something used to go bad and you really didn't care for just it or didn't, just you do didn't fix it, it. You can't do that now. Yeah, a lot of new cars you can't do without a certain thing because it's going right. to shut everything down. The whole the whole, the whole car may quit running. Yeah. So people are getting into things now that they don't really realize. Many cases, guy came in the other day, fairly new car, wore the two front tires out. When I gave him price of tires, he almost had a heart attack. Right. And it's got 18-inch tires on it. That's right. Well, when you put 18-inch tires on a car, I know they look cool and all that, but they cost about 300 bucks a piece. So you're talking 1,200 bucks for a set of yeah. tires for a car. Whereas the old car, the tires cost fifty dollars a piece. Right. So still harping on this cash for clunkers deal, but you got an awful lot of folks who just can't afford the technology that they're getting into. A six speed transmission, for instance. When that thing fails, it's gonna be about six grand to rebuild it. That's right. I know people don't think about transmission failing when they buy a new car, but guess what? It's gonna it happen. Eventually it's, it's gonna it's happen. It's gonna happen. Not only that, but so many other things, man, it's just incredible technologies they're putting in these cars that are all but non-repairable are extremely expensive to repair so well you're much better off to keep your old car running at least as long as you can right just because of the high high cost of maintaining some of those new cars that they're coming out with let's go back to our phone lines we've got jennifer online good morning jennifer good morning yes, good morning yeah the engine block on my mom's ford taurus cracked and I wanted to know what's your long-term impression if she has it fixed. Would it be a good car for her to keep? It has about 60,000 miles. Up. What happened to make it crack, Jennifer? Did it freeze or did it overheat? Or? Uh, no. Well, yes, it's been overheating. I know she's been having trouble with, like, the water pump, and then uh, supposedly they fixed it or something. Yeah. And, and what's the repair that they're suggesting to put a new engine in it or another engine in yeah, it? Yeah, from, like, a, a wrecked car. Yeah. $1, what uh, year car is it, Jennifer? I really don't know. It's that little... Spaceship design. Yeah. What I tell folks, Jennifer, and, and maybe this will help her, but when it comes to a decision like that where you're going to spend a lot of money on a car, what it kind of sort of comes down to to me is do you like the car and does it do everything you want to do? 
Because even a big repair like an engine, and I don't know what it's going to cost, maybe $3,000, $4,000, whatever, is still much, much, much cheaper than a new car. Right. If she likes the car and it does what she wants to do. Now, if she doesn't like the car or it doesn't do what she wants to do, then it's a good time to bail out on it. Right. What I would suggest to her very highly is to have a general inspection run on the car before she makes a decision. I know at Agco we urge people, let's do a full general inspection so I can tell you if there are any other problems with the car. Right. Because if the rest of the car is very sound, then it may make some sense to put an engine in there, $4,000, say, you can drive it another four or five years, and you can probably still get your money back out of it. But let's also say, well, the air conditioning is fixing to go out. Right. Or the transmission might be going out, or the brakes are all metal on metal, or whatever. That may enter into that decision, you see. Right. So you could invest a very small amount. I know at AGCO it takes about an hour for us to do a full general inspection. And I can tell you pretty much what's wrong with the car and what's fixing to go wrong with it. Yeah, this mechanic's telling her it would cost about $1,000. That's mighty cheap if he's going to put a motor in it. And I would want to know what you were getting for that it, price because that's... It, it takes, sounds great, but I think I'd get a second opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would be a little scared of that because it's about 15 to 20 hours labor to change that engine out. Right. And, I mean, if he's working for $10 an hour, is <laughs> Yeah, this guy doesn't have, like, he's not connected with, like, um, you know, diagnostic equipment, from what I understand. Yeah, I would just be a little scary there, Jennifer. I would want to get a second opinion, make sure that you're getting told straight. Because a lot of times when something seems too good to be true, it is. I would get somebody else to verify that is the problem, because that may not even be the problem. It may have a blown head gasket even. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of unusual to have a cracked engine block. Unless they freeze or something. Yes, ma'am, that would be Is pretty unusual. Is that something unusual. you can't see that's coming? Or, you know, would a, like a machine... Oh, you don't even need a machine. I mean, you could basically pressurize the engine, just do a simple pressure test until the engine block's cracked. You know, water's going to come flowing out the crack. I mean, this guy, though, he's been working on the car for the last year's problems, and just... And then this happens, and yeah. he, he thought she had a good car. Well, you see, that kind of, and again, I'm not bad-mouthing anybody, but if he's been working on it for a year, why did this happen? Right. Now, why did the car keep overheating? Why didn't he fix the overheating problem the first time before and, anything else happened? And that's the thing about it. You may put another engine in it, still have the same problem, and end up with another cracked block because right. it didn't solve the original, the original problem. problem. Yeah, she was I, thinking of getting it fixed and just trading it in, and she says the, the car value is about 3000 yeah, that is generally not a very good investment to fix something and trade it because it's cost you almost as much as you're going to get for it. Mm -hmm. It's generally, if you like the car, it does what you want to do, then you want to fix it, go ahead and invest in a good repair and then drive it for several more years. That kind of makes some sense. But I think before I would spend that much money, I would just see what I, if she's thinking about trading anyway, I just try, try to trade it in like it is. Probably not going to get that much far. You're not going to get that anyway. much far, but you're not going to get that much anyway. They may show you $3,000 trade, right? but you went down there with no trade at all, you could probably buy that car $3,000 less than what the yeah. – they got all kind of little games they play on cars. I got I Just go down there and say, look, I don't have a trade in. How much can I buy this car for? Go ahead and negotiate your best deal. Then say, I'm, I got a trade and see what they're really giving you for it. Yeah, I've got you, but thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, anybody can jack the price up and then discount the trade back off. You, right. I don't think I would spend the money if she was thinking about trading. Okay. All righty. Okay, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Ms. Crown Victoria. Mm -hmm. 
so I got some junk in my trunk. But why you wanna treat me so bad? Took me to a repair shop, the worst I ever had. My new owner brought me to Echo, they do me right. No shimmy or shake, I run straight through the night. Got off running alignment and my ride is so smooth. The guys at Echo, they gave me back my groove. it up folks for miss crown victoria and visit agcoauto.com that's a-g-c-o auto.com hear entire songs performed by all our contestants then vote on your favorite and remember for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost agco is the place to go well thanks for tuning in to our special encore presentation a show from labor day weekend 2009 <laughs> Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we got Joe online. Good morning, Joe. How you doing, Louis? Good morning. Great. Yeah, I have a 67 GTO convertible. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was on a car show last year in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I right. started the car. The water pump shaft broke off. Oh. And the fan went into the radiator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I took it off while I was on there, took it to a radiator shop, but I guess they just blocked the tubes off. Right. I put it on, ran it a while, and it did all right. I came back, and it started running hot Okay. when it's idling. Okay. So what I did, I had the radiator record. Okay. But it's still doing that, but yeah. I also don't have a fan shroud on it either. Yeah, I would look more to the fan shroud, Joe, because at an idle, you see, you're not going to have a radiator problem. A radiator problem is going to be more a capacity issue. It's going to heat up like going down the road. Mm-hmm. In other words, when you start making more heat, right. driving 70 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, you'll start getting hot because it can't deal with the heat that you got. And idle, your heat requirements are as low as they're going to be. So the radiator is not generally going to cause you a problem down there. Now, a fan shroud is going to be a major, major factor at an idle okay. because the air is getting sucked up it's behind being, the radiator instead of going through the radiator. Right, it's right. being well, funneled it, through the radiator with a shroud. Yeah, well, it busted the shroud off. Right. Yeah, and it's going to be tough to probably find that thing. But I've located one. Yeah, you need to get the yeah. factory shroud, put that back on there. Also, make sure if you got any kind of spacers or anything on that fan, right. that that fan is close to the radiator like it needs to be You're in the right yeah, position. Yeah, it's kind of far away, it looks like. Well, see, it's right. just churning up and creating a bunch of turbulence, but it's not pulling air through the radiator i tell you how you can tell is if you start going down the road 30 40 miles an hour starts cooling back down then you're going to be into a fan type issue because once you get to 40 miles an hour you got enough air going through it you don't need a fan right. anymore well, how about and, if i put an electric fan on it too well you could but you kind of sort of defeating the, the yeah i think i just put it back the way it was built put you a good fan maybe a multi-blade fan with a clutch Put the shroud back on there, and those cars never really had a whole lot of overheating problems. I mean, as long as they were right. But without that shroud, it's definitely going to overheat. Right. There's a certain place that fan needs to be according to where that shroud In stops. In relation to it. Right. Okay. The end of that so shroud, it so it a, creates a vacuum and pulls the, the air across that radiator right. All right, man. Okay. Thank All right. you. Thank You're you, welcome. man. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Well, fan shrouds can really cause a lot of grief. I know I have a good, good customer and had a little Jeep. Right. And this poor fellow spent just a ton of money at a local guy before he came to us trying to cure an overheating problem. Actually ended up ruining the motor in the, in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Ended up having to put a new motor in it. Right. And it was no fan shroud on it. 
and this guy was putting radiators and thermostats. Everything you could think of. Yeah, throwing every kind of party he could think of at it. Right. It kept overheating and ended up actually cracking the cylinder head on the engine and galling the cylinder walls up. So when we put the new engine in it, we ended up putting the fan shroud back like it goes. Right. And have never had any problems with it since at all. But that shroud is a definitely a necessary part. Without that, the fan's just sitting there churning, and it's just it's, creating a bunch of turbulence. It's not well, really drawing air through that radiator. It's going to pull some through the radiator, yeah. but it's really pulling around the radiator. Right. And inside the engine compartment, it's just, like you said, creating turbulence. That's all it's doing. But with that shroud, it actually creates a funnel right. to pull air through the radiator and make it cool properly. Yeah, it's sort of a Venturi effect. Right. And the fan is sitting at the entrance of the shroud, so as it turns, it evacuates and lowers the pressure inside of the shroud. So the higher pressure on the outside of the shroud is going to flow in to fill that, which is going to give you flow. I remember when I was researching that article on fan clutches that you know, all flow is going to be a pressure differential issue. Okay. You have to create lower pressure on one side than the other, and that's so when you get flow, get airflow. And that's what the fan shroud and the fan do. They actually lower the pressure on one side, so the air with higher pressure is going to flow right on in. Right. And sort of a, a dead giveaway on that is when you start driving the car, like I said, get up to 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, you're not going to have any cooling issues because now you got ram jet air. Flowing right through the radiator, which you've cooling done, everything down. Rather than decrease the pressure behind the radiator, you've increased the pressure in front of the radiator. Exactly. So you're going to have automatic airflow with or without a shroud. Right. But that's kind of the way you could go about diagnosing that. A radiator is generally going to overheat at speed or under load as opposed to a fan issue, which is going to always overheat at an idle. At idle. It's not going to overheat what, under load. What we've done actually in the shop is we'll change a water pump or something, and we need the engine to heat up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave the fan shroud off right. and throw a car cover in front of the radiator right. to make it heat up. Right. Well, it immediately heats up a whole lot quicker oh, yeah. than if the shroud would have been there with no blockage in front of the radiator. Right. You can actually see the fender cover suck into the grill oh, yeah. when everything's properly oh, yeah. put and together. If you drive on the open road a lot, like Elaine and I love to go on vacation, particularly in the winter, you'll see those great big old 18-wheelers, and they've always got a vinyl cover zipped up and maybe just a portion of it open. Exactly. And what they're doing, they're blocking that radiator flow because the outside air is so cold that the engine, of course, diesels don't make a lot of heat anyway. And they have trouble with the thermostat completely shut. They just can't warm up. Right. So they actually cover the radiators. You'll to see stop the, the air Kenworths and the Peterbilts. The Peterbilts and, and they'll have a vinyl cover, and it'll be zipped almost to the top, blocking that airflow yep. to try to allow them to heat up because they know they'll get better fuel mileage and it'll last longer, plus they can get the they heat get to work. Heat, yeah, there. exactly. It <laughs> gets know, cold upside them cabs. Yeah, that's right. And diesels run, I guess, so efficiently that they just don't produce a great deal of heat. They really you very seldom see an overheating problem on a diesel engine. Very seldom. They'll sit there and run just for hours, just set it an idle, just sit there and run. I know right. we used to see I go out to Thomas Scrap to haul scrap iron all sometime. They had a big crane out there, a big diesel powered crane sitting there. And the guy would go to lunch, he'd just hit the button and idle it down. Never turn it off. Just that, 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 and just, just idling away for hours well, and hours and hours. You ever pulled into a truck stop? Yeah, yeah. They all, all in trucks are sitting there running all night long. That's right. They don't shut them off because they don't have an overheating problem right. as much as a gasoline engine would. Hey, you want to go ahead and give everybody a little plug there on the website again if you get a chance to look at it? It's www.agcoauto.com. That's a g c o a u t o dot com. Altazan's Garage Company. Right. And there's three databases you can search. Right. There's also a lot of fun stuff you can 
do well, on the is, site? tons and tons of things on there. One thing that we get a bunch of hits on lately, and that's our tire pressure gauges. We had not talked about those lately. The ones we, the the ones we, we had, got? We had imported from England, and we do have those on there. You can click on Michelin tires, and right under that subcategory is tire pressure gauge. We started out with about 40 of those. We're down to about 20, so we sold about 20 of them already. So Very good. Still got a few left, and we're fixing to buy some more. Because it takes me a while to get them. they got to come all the way from Sheffield, England. Yeah. And, of course, by the time they get through customs and all that kind of humbug, it takes, it takes a, while a while to get them. So. We've done a lot of testing with them and yep. haven't found anything really that's turned us off on them I'm yet. I'm telling They're you. very accurate. They're almost too accurate. Right. Yeah. Right. Almost, almost confused you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really got to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Mike from Viva Automotive. VCI? Uh, yeah. VCI bought a couple of them. He says, man, he, says he loves those things. He just makes his job just a, a treat to go out there and use something to, to actually have a tool of quality to use exactly the thing about it you go out there you hook it up it works every time you use right. it it's accurate every time you use it mm-hmm. and as long as you got a clean air supply come filtered right. air supply coming into it you shouldn't have any trouble yeah, probably, out of probably it. last year your lifetime that's it hey i'll tell everybody how much i appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on the automotive hour preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Here's King Cab. My owner took me to Agco for losing my cool. She trusts those ace technicians because she ain't no fool. Well, they fixed my radiator and everything. Now I'm rolling down the highway like And visit AgcoAuto.com, that's A-G-C-O-Auto.com, to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants, then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go.